Rebecca Stevenson is a senior journalist at Business Desk, and we always appreciate her time. Good morning, Rebecca. Morena, Catherine. How are you? I'm good. It's pretty ropey old reporting season. I was looking yesterday, Ryman, healthcare's <laughs> downgrading its profit outlook. Uh, yep. New Zealand is downgrading its full year expectations uh, within the property industry. I, I don't think it was a report by any means, but Ockham was talking about how difficult it is to sell its parts at the moment and it slowed down its um, its future plans. It's a rough old season for many companies, Rebecca. Yeah, it really is. You know, there's been a lot of these sort of long-standing expectations of doom and gloom because of us coming out of COVID and having this very sort of fragile economic climate, you know, with the Reserve Bank raising interest rates and how that's going to affect businesses. You know, market watchers have been following along really closely and will continue to look closely as some of our largest listed companies are going to report half-year and there's also some full-year results matted in there as well. Um, We've had a couple of really interesting uh, sort of results hit us already. Um, I think in terms of the ones we've had so far, it has really been a bit of a tale of two companies. We had obviously the bombshell news last week with Fletcher Building losing its CEO and chair as it booked what was a bit of a shocker result. And then on the flip side, yesterday we had Milk Company A2 very much bringing the good vibes, reporting a larger profit than expected because it's huge into the infant formula market in China and has been really watching closely those falling birth rates there. Um, So I thought we'd kick off with some good news um, because A2 was a great story yesterday and really did pleasantly surprise the market. We saw the shares in the company up quite sharply after they reported a better than expected 15.6% increase in first half net profit after tax of 85.3 million. Now, it's this infant formula company, of course, and so that was against this double-digit decline in China's infant formula market. Um, We saw its shares pop up about 15% at one point to trade at $6.25. It said its interest, uh, sorry, earnings before interest tax and amortization rose 5% to 113.2 million. And importantly, it has a lot of cash, about 792 million, which was a rise of 34.9 million on the previous data it gave in June last year. Really importantly, for the markets was its performance in China and the story that it is telling about how it plans to both secure its market share there but also grow its share of this declining Chinese infant formula market. Um, It reported overall that its infant formula sales grew 1.5% despite the China label market declining by more than 15%. Um, now, the CEO, David Bortolossi, did point out that A2 is one of the top five infant formula brands in China. That's with both its Chinese label products and its English label products. Now, what it talked about a lot was what it is doing to be one of those top five brands in China. Um, It's invested a record amount in marketing. It reported uh, about $137 million that it's spent in marketing and a half, um, which was 16.9% of its net sales revenue. So quite significant investment there. Uh, Now, where is that money going? 
some really interesting places. Um, David Bortolosi said it's really targeting Chinese new mothers through social media and online, and not just on those large platforms that we think about, you know, such as Instagram, Facebook, etc. There are some really specific platforms that it's targeting and trying to generate, user generate, um, buzz for A2 on platforms like TikTok, Red and Baby Tree. Now, Red and Baby Tree are particular Chinese platforms, and they have hundreds of millions of visitors every month to those platforms who are learning about A2 by users who are talking about, you know, the fact that A2 infant formula is what these new mothers should be using. Um, A2 says it's absolutely imperative for it to be in those top five. Um, the market there is consolidating an infant formula. And basically, as that market consolidates, the top players are going to earn more market share and there's going to be consolidation and smaller players will fall by the wayside. So for A2, it's absolutely critical for it to be one of the top brands that's really front of mind in particular for new mums in China. Um, so quite fascinating. The market was really happy to see that result. You know, analysts were pretty pleased um, to see that had managed to achieve such a good result in China. You know, when people have been quite nervous about it, you know, the fact that those birth rates in China have been falling so dramatically and were really worried about what A2 was going to report. Tell me, tell me a little bit more about the strategy to to push um, to push sales now. I recall uh, another correspondent talking a while ago about a, a China-New um, Zealand kind of business conference here that was all about understanding um, the China market and particularly just how insane its e-business um, scene is. You know, f f forget about social media platforms that we are familiar with. You have to learn a whole new world. Has has um, has um, a2 got a handle on that. I think TikTok has been a big platform for it. What else? Yeah, so look, it's on all the sort of what we would consider the traditional Chinese e-commerce platforms, you know, uh, Tmall, JD.com, you know, and those kind of platforms that are linked to uh, Alibaba and that sort of area. But there are also these uh, community platforms. So Baby Tree, for example, is a mother and child focused online community. This was launched in 2007. Uh, it said in 2020, it had on average more than 90 million monthly active of users visiting its platform. And it says its remit is to connect and serve young families. Uh, then there's a social media platform called Red or Little Red Book. Now, this has been called China's Instagram on steroids. It's estimated to reach about 200 million people each month. And the key thing, I think, with these platforms as well is they're meeting young people. They're meeting young women, young men as they're beginning their parenting journey. So that's really important, obviously, for a company like A2 that does sell a lot of this infant formula. So what they do is they may work with key opinion leaders on those platforms. So people with, you know, widely followed accounts who are considered to be trusted. Um, they promote their master brand. So that's A2 overall. But they also talk about, of course, their different products as well. Um, so what David Bordelosi said they're doing is instead of sort of having a campaign approach where they sort of push messaging out. They are shifting to this sort of always on user generated activity and buzz. So that's constantly happening around it. 
brands on these really popular platforms for young parents so that new mothers when they're doing their research which is often online now are having awareness of its product and it's not a kind of a top-down a2 says you should use a2 it's these trusted figures key opinion leaders people with their own buzz on these platforms saying hey this is a really great brand. I've used this for my baby. And this sort of more organic um, kind of approach towards generating that content. That's really interesting. Now, and that hasn't, that hasn't yeah. come from being able to drive, um, uh, optimize, you know, where you are on a page. That is coming from, it's not algorithmically driven. It's coming from the sheer volume. It's built its own momentum from, from real commentary by people. Yeah, that's exactly right. You know, um, A2 says it has a real strong story to tell in China. There's been a lot of commentary with Chinese market watches lately that Chinese citizens are turning more towards Chinese brands and that sort of foreign brands have fallen out of favor. Well, A2 says, no, we are still in the top. We're in the top five now with our brand, um, which is a huge milestone for it. And it believes that being a New Zealand brand in particular and being such a long-standing brand brand as well really does still push it above even though there are of course very popular uh chinese brands too now of course a2 does have its own flagship stores on these sites you know it has its own tiktok uh it has its own sites on tmall and it does do of course still traditional marketing road shows so the the two can support each other right uh yeah the the, the two the two strategies can support each other it's interesting Rebecca because I thought for a long time it had been sort of languishing it had been the sort of the you know the golden child that had been Mm. through a fairly rough period does this represent a turnaround I think people were really, really pleased to see this result and in particular that it had been able to show strength in that Chinese market when so much of the commentary around China has been sort of slightly nervous and worried. You know, A2 was telling quite a confident story yesterday and just saying, you know, we're in that top five and we intend to stay there. And these are all the things that we're going to do to ensure that we do stay there and that we are front of mind for new mums in China in particular. Now, of course, it has other things it's doing too. It's pushing into to sort of more wellness products as well, uh, particularly for seniors. So we talk a lot, of course, around babies and its baby products, but wellness um, for seniors, we can never forget about boomers. You know, it's introducing some new uh, liquid milk products. Um, I think one is targeted at bones and sort of these more wellness products and also lactose-free milk um, and these kind of more sort of wellness, I guess, targeted uh, liquid products as well as that infant formula side of the business. Um, It's also really trying to diversify its manufacturing around infant formula. Um, In particular, it has obviously invested uh, a lot of money into a factory, Matara Valley Milk. It owns 75% of that company and it is trying to really ramp up the products it's producing from there and has some joint venture products going on through Matari Valley Milk and a partner Yashili as well. Um, so it's really aiming for 2 billion revenue now by 2027 uh, and David Bortolossi said we're expanding our portfolio strategically. Um, it's also introduced its first new infant formula product in about 10 years. Um, and that's something that's going to come out of Matara Valley Milk. 
It's called A2 Gentle Gold. Um, that's going to be a premium product. And then next year, they intend to launch another sort of gentle gold product, but aimed more at the even more premium uh, end of the market. So, yeah, it seems to be an exciting story. Investors in New Zealand have always loved the ride with A2. I mean, it has hit some incredible highs. Um, I think $12 at one point it was trading. So all this will be really uh, good news to New Zealand investors who really have enjoyed this company over the years. Okay. Uh, unlike Fletcher's, now last time we were talking with Victoria, I think it was um, imminent, wasn't it, that there'd been a, a, a um, statement to the market that the Chief Executive may be considering his future in line with results that were markedly different from from what had been earlier yeah. uh, expected. Then we learn the next day we see that we see the full um, we see the full scale of, of of the results, the impact of particularly of the Australian uh, operation, uh, the sort of the placemakers equivalent, and we see that the chair and the chief executive will over a period of months move on with a bit of time to digest things. What what are your takeouts from it? Yeah, look, we often uh, see these kind of words like unprecedented bandied around, but how this has actually played out, I think, as one market watcher said, it really has been unprecedented. You know, the fact that the Australian Stock Exchange got this application notice for a trading hole, which said Ross Taylor was considering his position was extraordinary. I've never seen anything like that um, in my years of reporting on business. Uh, Fletcher has really sort of lurched from issue to issue, you know, a lot of these uh, legacy projects uh, that Ross Taylor and Bruce Hassel have attempted to deal with over the last few years are long running issues. And I think that's what really is worrying markets, analysts, the New Zealand Shareholders Association, that the company, the management cannot seem to get to grips with these legacy projects that they just continually keep saying, oh, no, we're going to have to pay another 15 million, another 20 million, or with the Sky City Convention Center, I think overall it was $180 million of cost increases um, they eventually announced last week, $165 million of that for the convention center issues. Um, so yeah, really worrying, I think, signs there for the business. A lot of analysts were really probing Bruce Hassel and Ross Taylor about the complexity of the business, the fact it has so many business units, the fact it is so large um, and kind of unwieldy. Uh, Bruce Hassel pushed back quite strongly on that and said he didn't think it was too complex, uh, as did Ross Taylor, but analysts were not really convinced. One of the other, I think, big takeaways out of Fletcher was the sort of drip feeding of the bad news and how Fletcher has delivered this bad news over time. Um, a lot of people were unhappy with the fact that it went into this trading halt and said, you know, its guidance was going to be way off what analysts had predicted. From the analyst perspective, you know, they would say, well, we're just reading what you're telling us. So if we're so far off, that's on you. Um, they really did get quite probed about this by analysts on the investor call after they announced the results. Analysts just kept coming back to this issue. Why aren't you keeping the market properly informed of these really quite significant announcements? You know, under market rules, there's continuous disclosure rules. The market is meant to be informed about things that are material to the company, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars in cost increases. 
that's a big deal. Um, they were really irritated. And it was kind of interesting because they kept sort of backing each other up, the analysts, and, you know, referring to someone else's question, which is quite unusual as well. I'd never really seen or heard that on an analyst call before. Normally they have certain points that they're looking to tease out from management and they kind of stick to that. Um, so they were asked, you know, is there an issue with communication inside Fletcher? You know, does the board, does management actually know what's going on inside the business? You know, are you understanding what's going on inside the business? Why aren't you telling us in a timely manner about these big issues and these big cost overruns? Um, I spoke with Oliver Manda, the chief executive of the New Zealand Shareholders Association. You know, it has been complaining about shareholder uh, sorry about Fletcher and its issues and its inability to get on top of these cost blowouts with these legacy projects. Uh, Oliver Manda said he spoke to Fletcher leaders in September last year about a potential breakup of the company. Um, a number of people are now saying, Fletcher, it's time. You know, you need to break up and let the good performing parts of the business get on with it and just sort of let these other bits uh, go by the wayside. Uh, now, the company obviously says no. We still believe that the value of the business is better together, that these assets are better together. Um, you know, I think though Sam Stubbs at Simplicity, uh, it has about $23 million worth invested into Fletcher, ran the numbers and said that, you know, overall um, Fletcher's return to investors is way off other New Zealand equities um, and just said it's been a really horrible investment and that this fix-it board that Bruce Hassel was a part of hasn't fixed anything at all. Now, Bruce Hassel and Ross Taylor were saying and protesting um, that actually they had led a turnaround of the business as it was in much better shape um, than when they came on board. Um, so, yeah, the, the stories just weren't really lining up, though, I have to say, from management. You know, they're just constantly breaking bad news and the market doesn't like that. Yeah, goodness, it, as I said, it's a, it's a, it's a challenging um a challenging reporting season, full stop. Uh, Fletcher's sort of had the shockers so far, but uh, the thing about A2 was that big export market working for them, right? When you look at some of these other mm. businesses, some of it is attached to the, the, the economic constraints, um, people just putting those checkbooks away, the domestic market mm. uh, being in play here. In New Zealand's an interesting one. I mean, it's got fuel cost issues going up, but, but also one wonders if demand is a little softer than they had hoped. Plenty in it. Always interesting stuff to catch up on. Thank you for your time. Rebecca Stevenson, who is yeah. Senior Journalist at Business Desk.